podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Well, <laughs> hi everyone. Um, first of all, I don't think I'm going to be able to top Karen Cameron saying "slaying queen." I didn't think that that's—I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I definitely did. Um, don't you just love a baptism night? They're honestly my favourite nights. Um, the energy, the Holy Spirit is just so tangible. I just love it so much. Um, It's great to see so many new faces. Um, I see a lot of people from school here. Hi, see you tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Let's not talk about this tomorrow. What what happens here stays here. Um, (laughs) um, But I'm so honoured to get to share Sam with you on such a great night. Um, Yeah, it's such a great opportunity and I'm just so grateful. Um, Congratulations, Henry, Sarah and Ben. You're all such incredible people. And I I definitely had a tear down there when I was... So front row, let me know if I have any mascara under my eyes. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So for the past few weeks, New Hope, we've been focusing our way through the book of Ephesians, um, focusing on putting on certain traits and taking off other traits. So for example, we have putting on trust, putting on generosity and putting on peace. And tonight, my topic is taking off revenge and putting on forgiveness. Um, As I said, I'm going to be speaking about forgiveness tonight, and I want to preface this conversation by saying um, that there are a lot of people in this room here tonight that have gone through really awful times and that have left them upset and broken, and they may feel like they can never forgive the person, the group of people, or the institution that have hurt them. I want those people to know that that is okay, that is valid, and I'm in no way, shape, or form coming here to guilty, guilt you into forgiveness or saying that you're an awful person. All right, research suggests that forgiveness is a powerful thing. I mean, that's kind of common sense, but I did some research and I typed in forgiveness into the, um, like the search bar and all of this stuff came up, like therapy websites, all of this, and I was blown away. I didn't know that it was such a relevant, like, relevant thing in society. Um, it's more than a moral practice for religious people and more than something that we do to make us good people. Research into the power of forgiveness shows that forgiveness heals. It's for our own good. I stumbled across this study published in the Journal, in the journal of Personality and Social Psychology and the psychology student in me knew that I had to include it. The research tested the benefits of forgiveness against revenge in an attempt to repair one's sense of self after a dehumanizing or victimizing experience. Participants were randomly divided into two groups. One group imagined themselves in a neutral interaction with a colleague. This is the control group. And then the second group imagined being offended by a colleague and then decided whether to choose forgiveness or seek revenge. The group, yeah, so they imagined being offended by a colleague at work. It was found that participants who imagined taking revenge against the colleague remained in a dehumanised state, with feelings of coldness towards the person, um, a lack of emotions and less refined body language. This was the opposite to the participants who imagined nothing taking place, the control group. The participants who imagined forgiving the colleague just felt as if nothing had occurred, like the control group. To quote the article, the research suggests that forgiveness is a transformative process that involves releasing negativity towards a transgressor and possibly increasing positivity and feelings of benevolence towards them. 
It is considered a moral response rooted in the virtues of mercy, unconditional love, and generosity. For many of us here tonight, we have been taught of the Messiah, so we know better than to live in revenge. We know the truth that is Jesus and what he desires for our lives. We only have to look at the model that Jesus was when he was on earth and see that God not, not wants us to not only talk the talk, but also walk the walk in our relationship with him to actually apply these teachings as practical applications for our lives. As with all of the take-off and put-on statements that we've been focusing on over the past few years, weeks, sorry, <laughs> the same question still stands. How can we take off our old lifestyle and put on a new one? So for me and for us tonight, how can we take off our old lifestyle of revenge and put on a new lifestyle of forgiveness and practically apply this to our lives? This sits within the big idea of Ephesians, that we are in Christ and that Christ is in the center of us as individuals, but also us as the church. The image of God is seen through putting on our new selves. Since we have put on our new selves, we continue to honour God and work towards his kingdom vision, forgiving others just as Christ forgave us. The passage that we're going to be reading from tonight is Ephesians 4 verses 21 to 24 and 4 verses 30 to 32. When you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In this passage, we get a clear understanding of what revenge is. It is a result of the hurt that we feel in our hearts when someone wrongs us and the desire to act against them through bitterness, slander and rage and any other form of harm. These emotions have power to take over our lives, hardening our hearts and poisoning our souls. These feelings not only destroy your own life, but destroy the lives of others in its wake. God has created us to be relational beings who desire to be living in unity with one another. So without forgiveness in this world we live in, living becomes unbearable. We probably all know of someone in our lives so twisted and bitter because of a circumstance that this has bled into every facet of their lives, causing them to become isolated, withdrawn and bitter to those around them. In this passage, Paul describes forgiveness as a gift. It is a gift that we give to another person when we erase someone's sins against us and remove them from our hearts. Often there is so much that we try to pack into the idea of forgiveness that we become burdened by its weight, which is why it's necessary to understand why forgiveness matters and so that we can take a practical step of application in our lives. This allows us to have a greater understanding. Okay, so I've got some forgiveness is not um, like lines here. Okay, so I did put them on the screen. Yeah, okay. So forgiveness is not justice. You can st still forgive someone and seek justice. God, uh, God is not against judgment himself. There are many times throughout the Bible where God knows, where God shows the true justice to those who have acted wrongly against him. When we recognise things that are wrong in this world and we, feel we, and we feel a real sense of injustice, it is important to surrender this to God 
and so that that burden can be lifted from our hearts. Forgiveness is not against self-preservation. You can still forgive someone and actively protect yourself and the people around you and other vulnerable people. Forgiveness is not above the truth. Throughout the Bible, it is clear just how much God values the truth. Like in 1 John verses 3, chapter 3, verses 18, when John shows us love to others through the act, where, sorry, where John tells us to show love to others through the actions of truth. This means you do not have to make excuses for the person that hurt you. It is totally possible to forgive someone but not accept the fact that they hurt you. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You can forgive a person even if it's impossible to forget what happened. You may have always be haunted by the experiences of the past and that's nothing to be ashamed of. And finally and most importantly, forgiveness is not acceptance. Forgiveness does not mean, automatically mean that what happened is made to be okay. We can actively aim to forgive, but it doesn't mean that we agree that what happened was the right behaviour. Often it's healthy to continue to remind ourselves that what happened was not okay, to save us from falling into a spiral of accepting what happened to be the appropriate or correct behaviour. From personal experience, I know that this leads to feelings of self-doubt, low self-esteem and forgetting our value in Christ Jesus. So what does this leave us with? What is forgiveness? That is a very difficult question and I obviously don't have all the answers. Um, The literal Greek translation of forgiveness is to let go. God has given us the gift of divine power to let go of others' debts against our hearts. This This is not only releases them releases them, but ultimately yourself too. And most of all, forgiveness is a way of showing God's love to the world, mirroring the incredible unconditional love that he shows us. Paul is very transparent with what our task is, to take off all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice, and to put on kindness, compassion, and show forgiveness to one another. Part of the new self is allowing Christ to make you more like himself, a person who releases their debts against them, just as Jesus did for us. This leaves us with a seemingly easy, yet very difficult task. How can we apply this to our lives in practical ways that boost the kingdom vision and that mirror the kingdom vision? I've managed to come up with a few practical ways in which we can begin the process in step form. So step one is to reflect. Forgiveness is also described in Ephesians like this. God has given us this grace in the, one, in the one he dearly loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of offences according, according to the riches of his grace. Chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. Never forget that you're a child of God who is dearly loved by him. God calls us to become imitators as we are his beloved children, dearly loved by him. Because God God has done this incredible act for us, forgiveness is at the heart of our relationship with him. We should seek to do the same for others, to erase the sins, to erase their sins, just as God did for us. Remember to be honest with God. Explain to him why you were hurt and why you feel this way. This act of transference, the transferring of the weight of our burdens is so freeing. It allows us to not feel so alone in our pain and allow God's divine healing power to wash over our hearts softening them to become open to God's future plans for our lives. That is one thing that I just love about the amazing way that God can work in our lives. He can start a chain reaction 
in the smallest ways. This act of offering our burden onto Him, no matter the magnitude, can start off a pattern with God opening doors upon doors in our lives. And finally, be specific and thorough with God. He wants to unpack this with you. Um, Remember that forgiveness is not excusing and approving of the behaviour or saying that an offence isn't important. Be honest with yourself and recognise your emotional response. You may feel angry, sad, let down, disappointed. It's not wrong to have these emotions. It's what you do with the emotions that can be sinful. Step two, trust. Trust is one of the pillars of faith, mentioned a a multitude of times throughout the Bible and is a critical factor in some of the most inspirational and well-known stories of the Bible. The process of forgiveness is a long and ever-changing process that is near on impossible by ourselves. So we have to harness the Holy, God in us, the Holy Spirit. We need to trust in the fact that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God will make things happen. One verse that I live by my day-to-day life is 1 Corinthians 10 verses 13. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. No matter how far from forgiveness we are, God is right there in that mess with us and is willing to help us move from rock bottom if we choose that. And God is on our team. He wants to see us flourish. This is the step of forgiveness that I feel the devil would really try and grab a foothold in. He'll try and ruin this for you. This is, he'll try and plant seeds of doubt in of God's power in your heart. Remain strong in heart and mind. Don't be led astray by the thoughts the devil tempts us with. Thoughts, for example, like, I'll feel better if I just hurt the person back. They did it to me, why can't I do it back? Like, that's the only fair thing to do. Um, And I don't need God for this, I've got it covered. These statements are so far from God's truth and will ultimately lead you into a spiral of destructive thoughts. Step three, choose. One of the important facets of forgiveness is that forgiveness that is that for forgiveness to be efficient, it needs to be consciously chosen each day. Don't be too hard on yourself. Forgiveness, as I said, is an ever-changing process, and it's totally normal to be on a path of forgiveness, but then slip into unforgiveness and the desire to seek revenge. This doesn't mean that you failed, it's just something that we need to work on. It's a bit of a one-step-forward, three-steps-back kind of conversation. It can be infuriatingly time-consuming and mentally draining, but so worth it. The choice to forgive has to become a habitual practice. Research suggests that on average, it takes around 66 days to create a habit. In this study, however, there were people who made it in in 18 days, and those who needed more than 250 days to achieve that habit, not to mention those who didn't make it at all. You may find this helpful to verbally acknowledge the act of forgiveness, to hold yourself and God accountable. One way that this could be structured is something like this. Saying, I forgive, name of the individual, (laughs) or I forgive, name of the offence. That could be really helpful in that verbal acknowledgement. It could also be a physical thing. Like, for example, when I was a little girl, I was really worried about something, I can't remember what it was, and I released a balloon into the air as a symbol of releasing the worries from my heart. I mean, it wasn't environmentally conscious of me. (laughs) I should have known that at the time, little seven-year-old me. Um, But it it worked. (laughs) And the fact that I can remember releasing that balloon into the air 
is a testament to the fact that it works. If you have any more ethical, environmentally conscious ideas, then let me know because I'm very over to hearing it. Um, and then we're just going to tie up soon. The whole idea of this sermon series is to understand the church God's way and how we can be guided towards becoming the kingdom vision that God intends. Now, this is going to make me sound like a literature, literature student because, yeah, I have literature around me all the time. Um, as individuals, we are microcosms of the church. What is a microcosm, you may ask? Well, I'm happy to tell you and flaunt some of my seemingly pointless literature knowledge. <laughs> um, a microcosm, simply put, is a little world. It is, similar, it is a smaller version of something much larger. Like a suburb can be said to be a microcosm of a city. Us as individuals can be seen as microcosms of the church. The church is one body with one spirit and one Lord, similar to individual Christians. I truly believe that we need to learn to forgive as individuals before we can even think about learning to forgive as a church as a whole. This gets me thinking, what can the church begin to do to start the practice of forgiveness to fill the holes where that's lacking? Are there people and groups of people that we can think of that the church is loath to forgive? I can for sure think of a few, and I know that each of you will come up with different answers in response to what you're passionate about. The thing that comes to mind for me are the people who have not always been Christian or whose lifestyles in the past have not aligned with those of the church, who walk, talk, look, and live differently to us. These people find themselves isolated from the church and isolated from those who fit the stereotypical churchgoer. And, and they are ashamed of their past and who they are now. I'm guilty of this. I know situations where I struggle to forgive people and let them into the church family and have not helped them integrate into our community. I'm ashamed that my vision was clouded by stereotypes and preconceived notions of what a church looks like. The church needs to be reminded that God loves and forgives us all equally, despite our differences and despite our faults, forgiving them and allowing them to feel loved and appreciated in our community. This strikes me as what Christ, as what Christ desires for his church, and this is a facet of the kingdom vision he had designed. For us all to forgive one another of our pasts and show love and compassion to one another, just as Christ forgave us. I want to take a little moment of reflection for all of us to start this process and check our hearts. If, you, if you're comfortable, I would clo let's close our eyes and take a moment to quietly reflect on these questions. What resentment and bitterness am I harboring in my heart? God, search my heart and tell me and guide me in this process of forgiveness. Now, as I pray, I invite the worship team up onto the stage. Loving Father, thank you that we can be gathered together on such a special night to celebrate Henry, Ben and Sarah's baptisms. We thank you for the incredible individuals that they are and the beautiful, unique plans that you have for their lives. Please guide us as the church to support them as they journey through the hills and valleys of life. God, thank you for creating each of us in your image with the innate desire to forgive one another. May we have the courage to press into the Holy Spirit as we, as we choose to forgive each day. 
Lord, help us to choose forgiveness over revenge. Soften our hearts, Lord, to forgive those who hurt us, to release them from all bitterness, slander and rage. Let us be more let us be molded to be more like you and align us as individuals and as the church to your kingdom vision. Lord, in the stress and monotony of life, may each of us remember to turn to you and praise you in the good and the bad. God, we love you and we thank you for forgiving all of our debts when your son died on that cross 2000 years ago. In your forgiving name we pray. Amen. <laughs>